Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 12, Chapter 2. Helena has died, mysteriously, seen by no one and under the care of a new doctor. Was it suicide? Was it a botched abortion? Was it just a romantically innocent end? Gina Pectoris. Warren Kovafifi says, Wow, Tolstoy really likes to just casually mention characters' deaths, doesn't he? I hadn't considered the medicine being used to induce an an abortion, but that's a very interesting possibility. My initial guess was that perhaps Helena became a junkie and accidentally offed herself. Given Andre has seemingly been killed twice only to come back later, I wouldn't be surprised when it's revealed that Helena faked her death to get out of her marriage to Pierre. Also, Helena was so evil that I won't be surprised either when Tolstoy brings her back as a vampire or some sort of malignant spirit towards to haunt Pierre. Four Lost Souls in a Bowl says, Are we sure she's dead? Someone should drive a wooden stake through her heart just to be on the safe side. The real Bobcat23 says, Damn, rest in peace, Helena. Hadn't considered the possibility of her death being anything other than just a fatal illness or overdose. Like the people gossiped, although I'm still leaning towards just illness, I'm not really sure what to make of the situation. Uh, and Kara Kikas says, I was confused by the language used around her death and wondered if they hinted at an abortion. I do not for one second think she killed herself, but bad medicine I can believe. Um, yeah, I think the language hints heavily for me uh, at a botched abortion because it said something like that the illness was the result of her um, her husband or something like that. It, illness was the result of her relationship or something like that and then she had to go to a special doctor for this particular illness um that he would like rid her of the illness or something like that it was all like worded in very particular ways uh and i think it was also the case that she had to go overseas to get this particular procedure done and um yeah then she became more and more desperate for it to work quicker because she was afraid that Pierre might find out about her illness, and that's why she overdosed on the treatment. So, for me, I think it's pretty clear what happened, although it is only really hinted at. Nevertheless, let's read Chapter 3 and see if anything becomes more clear. Chapter 3. Nine days after the abandonment of Moscow, a messenger from Kutuzov reached Petersburg with the official announcement of that event. This messenger was Michaud, a Frenchman who did not know Russian, but who was, uh, though a foreigner, Russian in heart and soul, as he said to himself. I'm not going to read the bits in French, I'll just read the translations. The Emperor at once received this messenger in his study at the Palace of Stone Island. Michaud, who had never seen Moscow before the campaign, and who did not know Russian, yet felt deeply moved as he wrote when he appeared before one most gracious sovereign with the news of the burning of Moscow, whose flames illumined his route. Though the source of M. Mashord's chagrin must have had been different from that which caused Russians to grieve, he had such a sad face when shown into the emperor's study that the latter at once asked, Have you brought sad news, colonel? Very sad, sire, replied Mashord. Lowering his eyes with a sigh, the abandonment of Moscow. Have they surrendered my ancient capital without a battle? asked the emperor quickly. 
his face suddenly flushing. Michaud respectfully delivered the message Kutuzov had entrusted to him, which was that it had been impossible to fight before Moscow, and that as the only remaining choice was between losing the army as well as Moscow or losing Moscow alone, the field marshal had to choose the latter. The emperor listened in silence, not looking at Michaud. Has the enemy entered the city, he asked. Yes, sire. And Moscow is now in ashes. I left it all in flames, replied Michaud, in a decided tone, Just but glancing at the emperor, he was frightened by what he had done. The emperor began to breathe heavily and rapidly, his lower lip trembled, and tears instantly appeared in his fine blue eyes. But this lasted only a moment. He suddenly frowned, as if blaming himself for his weakness, and raised his head, addressed Michaud in a firm voice. I see, Colonel, from all that is happening, that providence requires great sacrifices of us. I am ready to submit myself in all things to his will, but tell me, Michaud, how did you leave the army when it saw my ancient capital abandoned without a battle? Did you not notice discouragement? Seeing that his most gracious ruler was calm once more, Michaud also grew calm, but was not immediately ready to reply to the emperor's direct and relevant question, which required a direct answer. Sire, you will allow me to speak frankly, as befits a loyal soldier, he asked, to gain time. Colonel, I always require it, replied the emperor. Conceal nothing from me. I wish to know absolutely how things are. Sire, said Michaud, with a subtle, scarcely perceptible smile on his lips, having now prepared a well-phrased reply, Sire, I left the whole army, from its chiefs to the lowest soldier, without exception, in desperate and agonised terror. How is that? the Emperor interrupted him, frowning sternly. Would misfortune make my Russians lose heart? Never. Michaud had only waited for this to bring out the phrase he had prepared. Sire, he said with respectful playfulness, they are only afraid, lest your majesty, in the goodness of your heart, should allow yourself to be persuaded to make peace. They are burning for the combat, declared this representative of the Russian nation, and to prove to your majesty by the sacrifice of their lives how devoted they are. Ah, said the emperor, reassured, and with a kindly gleam in his eyes he patted Michaud on the shoulder. You set me at ease, colonel. He bent his head and was silent for some time. Well, then, go back to the army, he said, drawing himself up to his full height and addressing Michaud with a gracious and majestic gesture, and tell our brave men, and all my good subjects, wherever you go, that when I have not a soldier left, I shall put myself at the head of my beloved nobility and my good peasants, and so use the last resources of my empire. It still offers me more than my enemies suppose, said the emperor, growing more and more animated. But should it ever be ordained by divine providence, he continued, raising to heaven his fine eyes, shining with emotion, that my dynasty should cease to reign on the throne of my ancestors, then after exhausting all the means at my command, I shall let my beard grow to here. He pointed halfway down his chest, and go and eat potatoes with the meanest of my peasants, rather than sign the disgrace of my country and of my beloved people, whose sacrifice I know how to appreciate. Having uttered these words in an agitated voice, the emperor suddenly turned away as if to hide from Michaud the tears that rose in his eyes, and went to the further end of his study. Having stood there a few moments, he strode back to Michaud and pressed his arm below the elbow with a vigorous movement. The emperor's mild and handsome face was flushed and his eyes gleamed with resolution and anger. Colonel Michaud, do not forget what I say to you here. 
Perhaps we may recall it with pleasure some day, Napoleon or I, said the Emperor, touching his breast. We can no longer both reign together. I have learned to know him, and he will not deceive me any more. And the Emperor paused with a frown. When, we, when he heard these words and saw the expression of firm resolution in the Emperor's eyes, Michaud, Cuic estranger rus de cour et dame, at that solemn moment felt himself enraptured by all that he had heard, as he used afterwards to say, and gave expression to his own feelings and those of the Russian people whose representative he considered himself to be in the following words. Sire, said he, Your Majesty, it is... Is it at this moment signing the glory of the nation and the salvation of Europe? Sorry. You are, your Majesty is at this moment signing the glory of the nation and salvation of Europe. With an inclination of the head, the Emperor dismissed him. Alright, there we go. That's the chapter. A uh, bit of Emperor stuff. Cool. <laughs> cool. Have your say. And we'll continue tomorrow.